This is Positively Farming Media. Last week, we talked specifically about starting flower seeds indoors. And I mentioned that the process for starting annual flowers is pretty similar to what we do with our annual vegetable plants. Seed starting does not need to be intimidating, but it does come with a special set of requirements for true success. Two components to that success are the soils we use and the containers we choose. Not all soils and containers are created equal. So today on Just Grow Something, we're going to dig into the different types of seed starting mediums and containers available on the market and ones we can dig up in our own home, pun intended. And surprise, surprise, the potting soil you choose may just not actually be soil at all. And the containers may be something you already have sitting in your recycling bin. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening in a small corner of my suburban backyard, and now 18 years later, I've got a degree in horticulture and operate a 40-acre market farm. I believe there is power in food and that everyone should know how to grow at least a little bit of their own. On this podcast, I share evidence-based techniques to help you plant, grow, harvest, and store all your family's favorites. Consider me your friend in the garden. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So don't forget to answer the February question of the month. What is your most successful crop and why? This could be a specific variety of something that just outproduces all the others, the plant that you love the most, or the crop that grows fantastically well for you without fail every single year. Whatever you consider your most successful crop in whatever way you consider it successful. Send me an email, post it in the Facebook group, or send me a DM on Facebook in Instagram, TikTok, wherever, you have until February 29th to get me your answer. Now, for some of us, seed starting is exciting, and for others, it might be a little, well, terrifying. I love starting seeds indoors because it lets me get my hands dirty and get some sort of garden activity going well before it's warm enough to be doing anything outside in the gardens. And it's a bit of a necessity for most gardeners if they want to take full advantage of whatever growing season they have. Starting seeds indoors gives us the ability to get those plants to a more mature state before moving them out into the garden. And we sort of cheat Mother Nature by getting to grow things that may not be native to our area. If I were to start broccoli seeds outside in the soil, I would never get a head of broccoli. By the time the soil is warm enough to get those seeds to germinate, we are so far into our spring that in just a few weeks, the air temperatures are likely to cause the plants to bolt and just go to seed. So we start them indoors six to eight weeks before our last anticipated frost in the spring and then move them outside when the soil temperatures are warm enough to sustain the plant, but the air temperatures aren't threatening to become too warm. 
Same thing goes for warm weather crops, especially in areas with short summer growing seasons. If you're in an area with only 80 frost-free days, you can't possibly wait to start your tomato or your pepper seeds outdoors because by the time the soils are warm enough for those seeds to germinate, you'll likely only have like 60 days left to garden before the first frost, not nearly enough time to get a crop. So most beginning gardeners will turn to purchasing started plants from their local nursery, the garden center, or the farmer's market. We sell a ton of started seedlings every single spring at the farmer's market. But if you have a really big garden and you need a lot of started plants, this can get expensive. I figured that out really quickly when we started the farm. It was one thing for me to buy plants when I was growing just for our family. But when it became a business, I needed a lot more plants and the cost quickly became prohibitive. The main things you need when starting your own seeds indoors are a seed starting mix of some sort, containers to put it in, light, heat, and air. And we'll talk about those last three things next week. For right now, let's focus on the first two, beginning with seed starting mix. Seed starting mixes are specifically formulated to provide the ideal conditions for germination and early seedling growth. They are typically soilless mixes composed of a combination of materials like peat moss, vermiculite, perlite, and coconut coir. These materials are lightweight, well-draining, and sterile, reducing the risk of soil-borne diseases and providing a loose, airy structure for young roots to penetrate easily. Seed starting mixes are free from pathogens and weed seeds, ensuring a clean environment for seed germination. They retain moisture well, while still allowing for proper aeration, promoting healthy root development. Their lightweight nature makes them easy to work with and allows for better drainage, reducing the risk of overwatering and damping off, both common problems in indoor seed starting. Some seed starting mixes may contain peat moss, which does have an environmental impact. So when choosing a medium that contains peat moss, pay attention to where the moss is being sourced. In fact, the sale of peat moss in England will actually be banned starting this year because of those environmental concerns. I prefer Canadian peat moss because their regulators do a really good job of only allowing a certain percentage of virgin bogs to be touched each year, and they require the companies to do remediation when they do. It's a bit more sustainable, but if you can stick to alternate components like coconut coir, then that's even better. We do need to be aware that seed starting mixes typically lack any nutrients. The seeds don't need any extra nutrients when they're sprouting. They have it all within their tiny little seed coat. Remember, a seed is just a baby plant in a little package with a sack lunch full of nutrients. But they'll eat up all those nutrients, pushing their way out of that little package and up through the soil. So if you use a soilless seed starting mix, the seedlings will need to be fertilized in some way once they develop their first true leaves. Now, using garden soil for seed starting is not recommended for several reasons. Garden soil is just heavy, and it may contain weed seeds or pathogens or even insect pests that can harm our little seedlings. It also lacks the proper structure and drainage needed for successful seed germination and the early growth of those seedlings because it tends to compact once it's removed from the garden and placed into a container. If you've ever pulled a plant roots and all, from the garden and put it into a pot, 
you've noticed that after some time, that garden soil begins to settle down into the container. That hinders root growth and oxygen exchange. And it's not what we want our little seedlings to be dealing with while they're trying to get big and strong and get ready to go outside. Garden soil by itself in a container also tends to retain too much moisture or just drain really poorly, which also increases the risk of seed rot and fungal disease. So don't just go out and dig up some soil from your garden and try to start your seeds in it. So if we don't want to use regular old garden soil, what about all-purpose potting soil? Why not use that for starting our seeds indoors? Traditional potting mixes are suitable for established plants, but they're not really ideal for seed starting. These mixes often contain soil ingredients like compost or topsoil or other organic matter, which can be too heavy and dense for the little delicate seeds and seedlings. They may not provide the correct balance of moisture retention and drainage that's needed for successful seed germination. They may also introduce pathogens into the seedling environment because they do contain a soil component, which, of course, increases the risk of disease. With that being said, I actually do use an all-purpose potting soil as my seed starting medium. I have used many, many different brands of potting soils over the years, and I will say 90% of them or more were absolutely not suited for seed starting. The brand I use now is ProMix, and I've found it is the perfect texture. It's well-draining, it doesn't compact, and it has just enough nutrients in it that I don't need to feed my plants weekly until they are well on their way to being hardened off and ready to go out in the garden. If you have a potting soil that you use regularly to pot up larger plants, run your fingers through the mix to see if it might be suitable for your seed starting. It should feel light and airy. It shouldn't contain any really large chunks of soil or pieces of wood or anything else for that matter. I was desperate a couple of years ago because my supplier ran out of ProMix and I had to opt for something else. And I will tell you, I was horrified by what came out of that bag. I wasn't even using it for seed starting at that point. This was for transplants. But those transplants didn't stand a chance. They didn't grow. They were super stunted. Their roots didn't develop. It was, it was horrible. I've also had potting mix in the past that had a lot of sand in it, too much sand, which was fine for my transplants, but would have been a horrible choice for seed starting. So if you're a beginner or you've not had great luck starting your own seeds indoors in the past, I would absolutely stick to a soilless seed starting mix to start with. There are lots of brands out there to choose from, Burpee, Espoma, Back to the Roots, Jiffy, Gardener Supply. Find something that speaks to you. They're all going to do the job. Oh, and speaking of Jiffy, there is another soilless medium that I sort of failed to mention, and that is peat pellets or coconut coir pellets. These are little netted discs, and they contain either peat or cocoa coir, and they expand up when you add water. And then you pop the seed in the top, and it's like a little standalone seedling pot and medium all in one. I've used the ones that are made from coconut coir for starting lettuce seeds, and then I transferred those into a hydroponic setup, and I was actually really impressed. But you can also just pop them right out into the garden. Again, this is an inert medium, so you will need to feed those seedlings once they sprout. And you'll need to house those expanded pellets in a tray of some sort so that you can water them. I prefer to water them from the bottom. This is a really good way to do that. 
This would be similar to starting in soil blocks. And I didn't really know whether to consider soil blocks a seed starting medium or a container because like these cocoa pellets, soil blocks are both the container and the starting medium. The difference with soil blocks is you are creating a starting medium yourself, either by choosing to use a potting soil like my ProMix or by creating your own. Which brings me to creating your own seed starting mix. If you've been doing this for a while, Yes, you can mix your own ingredients if you want to. This might be a good option for you if you're starting a lot of seeds and if you can buy the components of that mix for less expensively than what you would pay for a bagged mix. There are a lot of different recipe variations out there for creating your own seed starting medium. The basic components are one part water retention material, one part drainage material, and one or two parts of a substrate to hold it all together and allow the roots to grow. Vermiculite is usually used for water retention. Vermiculite is a type of silicate mined from rocks. The pieces are heated at very high temperatures in order to expand them. And then the gold-colored nuggets are very effective at holding water, then slowly releasing it to the plants as the medium dries out. This also means once you start feeding your seedlings, the vermiculite is also retaining any liquid nutrients to deliver to the plant roots gradually. It does provide some structure for aeration, but not as well as our next component. Perlite is typically the ingredient used for drainage. Perlite is made from mined volcanic rock or glass and is also heated under extreme temperatures until it puffs into a tiny white ball that looks a bit like styrofoam. These pieces create air pockets within the seed starting medium to allow water to drain and roots to move. What you choose to use as the remaining substrate is up to you. Many recipes will call for one part compost, but as we've already discussed, compost, especially homemade compost, can contain pathogens your little seedlings will have to fight. Peat moss is typically the other recommendation, but if we're trying to avoid using that, coconut coir, finely shredded pine bark, and pit moss, a recycled paper product designed to replace peat moss, are all good options. Use a combination of these to get the proper texture for your seed starting mix. You might also see worm castings used in some recipes. And while it's fine to use some worm castings as part of the components, you don't want to use too much. Worm castings are typically very finely textured and they can retain moisture, both things that may throw off the texture of your mix. If using worm castings, be sure it only accounts for about one half of one part of the mixture. I am super happy to announce that the merch shop over on JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com has finally reopened. If you're looking for a great way to support the show while also sporting some cool garden-related clothing, mugs, and more, that's the place to do it. I'm adding more designs every few weeks, and I just know there is something over there that will fit right into your gardening personality. Head to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash shop to check out all the options and support the podcast with specially designed merch from the show. JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com slash shop. You've heard me talk all about my favorite garden planter boxes from Planter Box Direct. I have 19 of these planters, including four that were just delivered that are waiting to be put together, which is super easy. It's just frigid outside. I've tested out other prefab planters, and these are the best value for the money I've come across, which is why I have continued to order from them every single year. 
They're made in the USA by a small U.S. company using 100% USA-made steel. And they come in 21 different colors, so they match any aesthetic. As a listener of Just Grow Something, you can now, finally, save on these planters while supporting this podcast. I've been working on this for like three years. Go to planterboxdirect.com and use code JUSTGROW10 at checkout, and you'll save 10% off your order, plus get free shipping, which is kind of a big deal when you're shipping, you know, steel. Get my favorite planter boxes for your own garden this year using code JUSTGROW10 at planterboxdirect.com. The link is in the show notes. So we've covered seed starting mixes. Now, what do you put it in? We want something that's going to be big enough for the plants that we're starting to reside in for the first few weeks of growth. We don't want to have to pot up seedlings too early in their life cycle. So avoid things that are small or shallow, unless it's a small or shallow rooted plant. There are plenty of options out there to purchase, like seedling flats and seed starting kits with domes, and they all get the job done. It just depends on how much you want to spend and how much plastic you want to deal with, because most of these are made out of plastic. And remember, these things likely will need to be stored somewhere until you use them again next season. And unless they're designed to be reused, they will likely break down over time. If you want to avoid the plastic altogether, then you can either make your own soil blocks or use those coconut coir pucks we talked about. Otherwise, there are plenty of options using repurposed or recycled items you may already have laying around the house or in your recycling bin. For shallow-rooted plants, like lettuces, try egg cartons. Each egg cup serves as an individual container. If you use the styrofoam ones, you'll need to pull the seedling out and transplant it, but if you use the cardboard ones, you can just cut the carton up into individual cells when you're ready to transplant. Just cut a split in the bottom to open it up a little bit and plop the whole thing down into the ground. I used egg cartons for several years when I first started seeds. And, as a bonus... You've got a ready-made lid to close and trap in the moisture while you're waiting for those seeds to sprout. Other items that you can recycle into containers include individual yogurt cups or larger yogurt or cottage cheese tubs, salad containers or clamshells that fruit comes in, again, with the bonus that they have their own lids to trap the moisture. Milk cartons, milk jugs, or two-liter bottles. Cut the tops off about halfway down and fill it with the seed starting mix. And then again, you can have a lid that traps the moisture while you wait for the seeds to sprout. Same thing with foil roasting pans or lasagna pans. These can be used just like a seed starting flat you would buy online. But if it has one of those clear plastic lids with it, you also have a little mini greenhouse for your started seeds. You can get really creative and use the empty cardboard tubes from the center of toilet paper or paper towel rolls. Just fold one end together to create a flat bottom to hold the soil. Or use newspaper folded into a paper pot. There are tutorials online to show you how to do this, and it's a great way to reuse something you already have. And I'll bet if you've gardened before and purchased plants from the nursery, you likely have some old nursery containers sitting around. There is absolutely nothing wrong with cleaning those containers with some hot soapy water and reusing them to start your seeds. 
Seed starting does not need to be complicated and it shouldn't be expensive. We're trying to save money. So buy or make the best seed starting mix you can and don't worry about the fancy containers. Use what you have available to you. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the options for heat, light, and airflow. Combined with what we talked about today, you should have a good idea of where to start with the supplies that you'll need to get started with starting your own seeds. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic and to find all the ways you can get in touch with me or support the show, go to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.